0: Before we get started, a disclaimer. I'm going to throw in my super deep voice. You ready? Here we go. I am not a healthcare professional and do not pretend to be one. I am simply the father of a child with type 1 diabetes and hopes that through his experiences, yours get a little easier. Nothing that you hear here on the Juice Box. Hear, hear. Who says hear, hear? Nothing you hear on the Juice Box. <laughs> Nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast constitutes advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a healthcare professional before making changes to a healthcare plan. In the end, if that wasn't clear, and God knows it may not have been, I suggest you just take the advice that I hear my wife give to my children sometimes when she says, don't listen to that. And now it's time for episode four of the Juicebox Podcast. I'm Scott Benner. Welcome to the juice box podcast episode 4 I'm Scott Benner uh, this podcast is if you're just finding it a conversation about being the parent of a child with type 1 diabetes episode 4 is going to take a uh, an upbeat turn because episode 3 got kind of somber at parts even though I thought the information was good um, and I don't want to I don't want to have two bummers in a row so um, although I don't think episode 3 was a bummer I actually think it's a it's an uplifting story it's just sometimes the topics are heavy you know anyway episode 4 we're going to talk about the way that my daughter Arden and I manage her type 1 when she's not in my vicinity when she's not with me this is just a this ends up being such a great but you know thing that happens by mistake by you know by happenstance that ends up just informing so much of how we handle type 1 today it has to do everything with um, an, an academic upswing for my daughter. It has everything to do with how an A1C that wasn't too bad to begin with is now fantastic. It has a lot to do with her confidence. It has a lot to do with the fact that she can now, you know, change insulin pumps on her own. It, it, this, this one moment really is a big moment. So I'm going to take you back to Arden in second grade. She's in fifth grade now. Uh, she's gonna be 11 this summer, but I'll take you back to second grade. She's upstairs in a two-story house. We live in a two-story house, and I need to know what her her CGM says. And to be honest, I just didn't want to walk upstairs, so I texted her, just said CGM question mark, and she sent the number back, and that was it. I was hooked. I was like, wait a minute, this is fantastic. But beyond it just being fantastic that I didn't have to get up and walk upstairs all the time or, or go find her if she was somewhere, I started realizing, like right there, I was just sitting on the sofa thinking, what's the difference between upstairs and at a friend's house? What's the difference between upstairs and in the backyard? Oh my God, what's the difference between upstairs and at school? And there really is only one difference. It's my sense of being in control. And can you hear Basil snoring? I hope you can't. That puppy, he snores like crazy. It's my sense of being in control, right? Um, It's the largely false feeling that I have that if something were going to go wrong, I could somehow be Superman and stop it. So you can't really stop something from going wrong. You can plan well, you can, you know, give the right amounts of insulin, you can understand all that stuff. That stuff helps keep problems from happening. But if something unforeseen was just going to go bonkers, then it's going to go bonkers whether I'm upstairs or downstairs or she's out back or she's at her friend's house or she's at school. We just need to be sure that there's an adult there, if that ever happens, that understands and can react. And it doesn't need to be me. And that was really... A huge leap for me. It, I just, I let go of that feeling, that false feeling that I was somehow a guardian, completely in control and that nothing bad could ever happen if I was around. This text message ends up being the text message that launches a thousand ships because it allows me to recognize that, you know, I falsely have an idea of control and it gives me the bright idea that we could utilize this texting in other places, you know, when Arden's out of the house. And we do, to so much success, in fact, that it starts just becoming everything. You know, it's everything. It's, it's how we do school, lows, highs, meals, activity. It's how she goes to her friend's house and plays in the snow yesterday. It's how she's on a school trip today without me. It's that one little moment of letting go that builds and builds and builds to where we are here today. So let me me tell you some other good stuff that came from that. So first of all, in second grade, we were beginning to become concerned about Arden's academics because she was falling behind in areas where we did not expect, you know, as people who feel like we're reasonably, you know, we're not over-underestimating or Arden. We, we know who she is as a person as best we can. I'm telling you, Arden's grades and her grasp of concepts was not where I expected them to be for her. And, you know, you start getting worried that it's just, you know, Arden's going to be a person who struggles at school. But in the end, what ended up happening was she was leaving class to go to the nurse. And a lot of times, because of the timing of the nurse's visits, it was coinciding with learning something new. So her teacher would begin to teach, she'd get out half of a thought, Arden would leave the room, come back five minutes later, and because Arden coming and going seemed so natural to the teacher, and even though she's a fantastic teacher, it just seemed so normal for her to come and go that it got away from her that, oh, Arden walked out during the, during the explanation of this. But that didn't stop anybody from moving on. The day just kept moving. So Arden would miss the, the direction, the instruction, and then be expected to do the work. And she was struggling. We got lucky. The teacher that Arden had in second grade was really a fantastic teacher. And she moved with her whole class. And There's a word for it. Educators. It's popping into educators' heads right now. I don't know it. But she moved with her whole class to the next grade. So in third grade, I didn't have to start over new explaining diabetes to someone. This, you know, day one was, was fantastic. But we made a big change, and here's the change we made. So we go into the 505, I go into the 504 meeting after second grade in the summertime, sitting in front of a teacher and two nurses and, you know, a, an assistant principal, and I think there's a counselor there, and it's me. Now I've been banging on these people's heads for years. Arden has to go to the nurse. She's got to go at this time and this time. She's got to test here. Here we can look at the CGM, but there we have to test. I need her to pre bolus for a meal, so she's got to come down early. You know, I made them give her a an aide when she was in kindergarten. like There was so much that went on about Arden needs to go to the nurse. She needs to go to the nurse. This is very important. And I go in and I sit down in that 504 meeting. Look, everybody square in the face. Thank them for the year. How great it's going. And then I say, now next year I don't want Arden to go to the nurse at all. I want her to stay in the class. So a couple of lucky things happened where that made that possible. First of all, her 504 plan covers her having a cell phone. The second thing that helped with the idea of Arden not having to go to the nurse's office was um, our outgoing governor that year signed a bill that said that children with diabetes could test anywhere in a public school. didn't have to be a nurse's office. It could be in the hallway. It could be in the bathroom. It could be anywhere you want to be. So armed with the idea that A, Arden was now allowed to test anywhere she wanted to, and B, I saw the light about me not needing to be so involved or anyone needing to be so involved That I thought, okay, well, we can do this, right? We could just do this texting thing while she's in class. So in that 504 meeting after second grade, I dropped the bomb. Next year, I don't want Arden to leave the room. She's going to test, give herself insulin, you know, drink juice or eat food if she needs it. She's not going to go to the nurse if we can help it. And I don't want or need the teacher to be involved. It'll be between Arden and I, no different than if she was upstairs in the bedroom. Now, you know, if something happens, then the teacher would spring into action. And of course, I was a little nervous about that. But because this teacher was a second year teacher, that took away a little bit of that uncomfortable feeling, which is one of the lucky things. And the people in the room, you know, we had built a very good relationship slowly, brick by brick over years. People trusted me and... I think they saw a person who was like, no, look, she has to be in the nurse's office all the time, who flipped and said, no, she doesn't, and thought, well, if this guy's saying she doesn't have to be in the nurse's office, you know, maybe we don't have to. But still, you could see the, the anxiety. Like, they, those nurses were going to be out of the loop. The school was going to be out of the loop. And, I, and and in the end, what I said to them was, look, she's my kid. If I do something wrong, if I give her too much insulin or not enough insulin, Let's be honest. It's not on you. You weren't involved. There's nothing legally that you did. So this is kind of lightening things for you. And I think that was what pushed him over the edge. You're like, this guy's right. You know, he could, he can mess up as much as he wants. It's not on us. I think that's what they were happy about mostly. So the third grade year of school, Arden never goes to the nurse one time. Never once. And her academics pick up. Geez, really. Like a like a rocket, they they go back right to where you think they're going to. It took a little time; she had to catch up. But you know, now in fifth grade, I don't think of Arden as having any academic instabilities. It, you know, it's amazing, and that's just I'm telling you, just from not going to the nurse. Third grade, no nurse. Now we're going to transition to fourth grade, and in our district, that means middle school. And I know that's probably early for middle school for most of you, and it, it's an overcrowding issue here. But nevertheless. She's going to have to transfer into another building. Same district, different building. Different building means new nurse. Different building means new, you know, new principals, new counselors, new people who don't know me and people who have no reason to trust me or understand what we're doing. So what I did was I brought a nurse from the elementary school and Arden's teacher to the 504 meeting for the middle school. And I just let them explain it. The nurse didn't have a lot to say. She goes, I didn't see Arden once last year and that's it there were no emergencies nothing we had to run and go find her for she said I think she fell on the playground I had to give her a band-aid once but we never spoke about her diabetes the teacher spoke to the fact that Arden was falling behind academically and took a little bit of the blame in the meeting she said I really feel like I should have seen it but it was just such a normal part of the day it just it escaped me that she was leaving all the time Hey everyone, it's Scott. I'm just going to take a quick second out from the show to tell you that I'm very interested in talking to you, the parents of children with type 1. If you are interested in being on the Juicebox podcast, please go to ardensday.com or juiceboxpodcast.com. Scroll to the bottom, click on contact, send me off a quick note. I would love to talk to you on the show about type 1, about parenting, about technology, about diabetes, about your frustration, great ideas you have, questions, anything at all anything you know, parenting or diabetes related. So go ahead, send a note, we'll get you on the show. Now back to the podcast. It really is a matter of perspective on, it, on saying that she was leaving all the time, isn't it? But because you know, as a person who is thinking about diabetes in that way, like, oh, I need my kid to go to the nurse's office, she only goes four times a day. That's not too bad. But if you get up, walk to the nurse, handle what happens in the nurse's office, takes a few minutes, come back, it could be 10 minutes. A short trip could be 10 minutes. And you do that four or five times a day, you've lost 45 minutes or an hour. Now, if I told you I was gonna send your kid to school today and randomly take an hour of their day away from them, you'd say, no, you can't do that. When you say, oh, you're gonna do it because they have to go to the nurse for their diabetes, you go, that doesn't sound too bad, 50 minutes will be fine. It's not fine, you need to be in school. It was a bit of a hurdle at fourth grade at the middle school. The nurse felt so uncomfortable not being involved. But I could see in her face, it was the same thing I was going through, you know, back before the texting. She didn't want to be out of control. She didn't like the idea of there being a child in that school that she wanted to keep safe and healthy, that she wasn't going to have input into. And what I said to her was, look, it's okay. Arden's my daughter. She's had diabetes since she's two. I know exactly what to do. We are going to talk all the time. And if there's a failing in the system, then she'll come to you. If she can't get a hold of me or I can't get a hold of her, then she'll come to you. I said, but know this. If Arden texts me from class and says, hey, my blood sugar is 60 and it's falling, I'm not sending her to you. I wouldn't I wouldn't call an ambulance at home. So she's going to drink a juice box. She and I are going to stay in contact over those next couple of minutes by text message. And when I'm comfortable that she's stable again, she and I are going to stop talking and that's going to be it. We're going to keep going about our business. Nothing special. So couldn't be more... I genuinely couldn't be more happy or proud to tell you that in fourth grade, Arden never went to the nurse for a diabetes related situation. She was down there. If you know her insulin pump, I think twice kind of erred and I, I went in and switched them. We switched them in the nurse's office because there was privacy there, but Arden's never had to go to the nurse for anything diabetes related. Now in third grade in fourth grade and now this year, halfway through fifth grade, never once been to the nurse. It's so glaring that the nurse sometimes sends me a note to say if Arden ever just wants to come down and hang out or say hello, you know, we really don't feel like we know her. And I very privately think I'm glad. I don't want her to know you. I She doesn't need to know you. She doesn't need a nurse. She's She's good. Today, Arden is on a school trip. This is the first school trip I haven't gone on. And the very simple reason why I didn't have to go today. Now, Last year, I wouldn't have gone either because of the texting, but there was still an issue of insulin pumps. What if there's a real, like, kind of catastrophic incident with her insulin pump and it needs a new pump? I, I wanted to be there to change it. Up until a few months ago, Arden could do all the steps, but she'd never done all the steps start to finish. It ends up being another, you know, happenstance kind of thing that gets Arden to putting her insulin pump on, her Omnipod on by herself. So just like the text message is just born out of me not wanting to get off the sofa one day, my wife and I, uh, Kelly and I, were away for a business thing for her. It was an overnight event. It wasn't very far from home. We were about an hour, an hour and a half from home, but just far enough that you needed to spend the night. Arden and her brother went to her aunt's house, and I think we were like on the last day of an insulin pump, and I kept saying to Kelly on the way out the door, like, maybe we ought to just switch this thing early because I have a feeling it's going to just it's going to, you know, it's not going to make it till tomorrow. It's going to need to be swapped. But her blood sugars were okay. They were just starting to get stubborn. You know what I mean? And by the time we had dinner at this event, Arden's blood sugar was great. And then all of a sudden it just started heading up and she's texting me, Hey, my blood sugar's going up and we're pouring insulin in and it's not going down. And so I guess about 45 minutes or an hour later, I texted her and I said, look, that's it. That pump's got to get changed. You know, it's the the site's The site's done, and can you do it? I'll walk you through it. I'll text you through it, or I'll call you if you want me to. And and I said, you know what? That's a good idea. I'll call you, and I'll walk you through it. Go ahead, I told her. Go ahead, fill the pump with insulin, and prime it, and then send me a text message. And I'll call you and we'll go through the rest of it. About three minutes goes by. But in my mind, you know, I said to my wife, I'm like, it's been a long time. I told Arden to prime that pump and I haven't heard back from her. You know, something's wrong. She's lost her nerve. You know, something. We're gonna have to drive home. You know, I, I, I'll explain it to my, you know, I'll explain it to your sister over the phone. I'll, You know, something. But I had every bad scenario going off in my head. Next text message I get back from Arden is a response to me because I'm now texting her, hey, what's going on? And she goes, oh, I'm done. And I thought she meant that she filled the pod and primed it. I said, okay, I'll call you and let's, we'll talk about the rest. She texts back, she goes, you don't have to call. I said, I'm done. I put the pump on, it's all done, I'm finished. And I was like, oh my God, that's fantastic. But it's the situation that made it happen, right? Like, She was in a room with a person she knew didn't know as much about her insulin pump as she did. She was with her aunt. Her aunt knows a little bit about it, but certainly not as much as Arden does. I wasn't there. There was no one to bail her out. This was on her. And bang, she takes care of it, just like that. And I really do think, you know, diabetes, you know, in the diabetes world and outside of it, children just get so much out of being challenged. It it really does bring the best out in them. And this certainly was one of those times. Now that Arden can change her pod without me being there, it's a game changer for us. And it's why I'm not on some school trip today. You know, Arden is at a science center or a space center about an hour and 45 minutes from our home. And isn't it great? I'm just, I'm thinking now, I'm not really sure where she is. I'm not 100% sure if she's at the space center or the science center. It doesn't matter to me. It doesn't matter where Arden is. She's on a class trip. You know, her blood sugar today has never been over 170. Hasn't been lower than 115. She was 115 when they got on the bus at the end of the day to come home. She's probably on a bus driving home right now. The last time she and I texted, she's like, hey, everybody's going to have a snack. and I have a snack? She bolused for it. And she's on a bus right now laughing with her friends. I don't even know where she is. It gives me so much joy to tell you that I don't know where she is. Because she's fine. And... Nothing went wrong with her her Omnipod today. She didn't need the extra pump she took or the insulin she took. You know, but it's right to take the stuff. But had something gone, you know, funky, she would have just found a place and changed the pod and gone about her business. I know she would have. I know she would have done it. And it all starts in that second after I text her back in second grade from my living room to the bedroom upstairs. What's your CGM say? It all starts in that moment afterwards when I start realizing, I just need to not be that involved. You know, she can do more than I expect, but I don't want to throw it on her all at once. And that has been a really huge benefit of the texting at school, which is different situations come up every day. You know, every day is not always the same with diabetes. And so their experiences, you know, a little bit of a high before a meal, a little bit of a low after a meal, a low before gym, a high before gym. How do you handle all these things? Well, you have to, they have to happen, first of all. You can't stop every bad thing from happening or every undesirable thing from happening because if you stop those things from happening, you never have the experience of them happening. And you know as well as I do, you can't always stop, you know, undesirable moments with diabetes. and always stop. You can't hardly ever stop them. So the only real benefit in these moments is learning from them. That's what's been happening with the text messaging, and it's been happening, you know, slowly over time. Arden gets to see a situation arise. She gets to hear in the tone of my text messages that I'm not upset, I'm not frantic, I know what to do. Sometimes we choose what to do and it doesn't work out really well and she doesn't, you know, we have to make another adjustment. But that that's not a big deal either. And these experiences continue to help Arden grow as a person who lives with type one diabetes to the point where she's not thrown by things when they happen. And that's probably the biggest, that's probably the biggest impediment is not to see a low number and start running around with your hair on fire or not to, you know, not to set a correction into into motion. And the correction doesn't really affect a high blood sugar. You can't be, you know, throwing your hands up constantly and going, Oh my God, I can't believe this is horrible. Blah blah You can't be like that all the time. It's just got to be what it is. I got a high. I put some insulin on it. It's not working. What are we gonna do next? Are we gonna adjust the basal? Are we gonna are we gonna inject some insulin? Or are we gonna try a new pump? You know, are we just gonna bolus again? You know, maybe this is just a carb counting mistake on our part. Maybe we should just bolus again. Or she's low. Not to panic when she's low. You know, everyone's got their own level of, of of comfort, and I completely respect that. But I see online sometimes people are like, "Oh my God, my kid's blood sugar was seventy and it was an arrow down in a CGM, they almost died. I'm like, oh, geez, you didn't almost die. You, 70, 70 is a great blood sugar. I mean, the down part's not fantastic, but really think about what that means. An arrow down at a 70 means you're falling about two points per minute, which means that five minutes from now, you're gonna be 60, which still is not a panic situation for most people. Drink a juice. It'll stop at 60. The arrow kind of curls back around again, and before you know it, you're fine. Reed trying to block his teammate, Chris Buescher. Here's the checkered flag. thought I would take a second to let you know that the next episode of the Juicebox Podcast will be an interview with 21-year-old NASCAR driver Ryan Reed. Ryan just won in Daytona in the Xfinity Series, and we're going to be talking to him about his type 1 diabetes diagnosis, racing with type 1, and find out what it feels like to win a NASCAR race. Ryan Reed wins it at Daytona. What a finish. If my daughter was a panicker, because she saw a low number, then that would keep us from transferring the responsibility to her. She can't be someone who panics. And I'm not someone who panics. My wife's not someone who panics. And and we're teaching her that. But slowly, through experiences, not by saying to her, Arden, you can't panic if your blood sugar gets low. That's not teaching anybody. You can't teach people how to be. They have to just grow into who they're going to be. And so this simple, silly idea of just texting has facilitated all of this. It has been maybe one of the best decisions I've ever made by mistake or not on purpose and in my entire life. The handoff of Arden's care happens constantly. It's exponentially growing. It's not as slow as it used to be. It used to be one little thing every couple of months. Now I can see her gaining confidence constantly. You know, whether it's today's trip or yesterday at a friend's house playing in the snow. You know, yesterday's a great example. My son was playing in his final freshman basketball game yesterday. I really did want to go see him play. So Arden comes home from school. I say to her, Look, we're letting the dogs out. As soon as the dogs are done outside, we're going to get everything together and we're going to go see Cole play. So I need you to pack your bag up, you know, bring some snacks if you're hungry whatever you want to do, but we're going to go. And so she's running around packing and I'm running around with the dogs and her phone. She gets a text on her phone from a friend of hers. Can she come over and play in the snow? Now I really have to go or I'm going to be late. Like I need to go. So I said to her, you can go. That's fine. But you know, we got to do it right now. Like there's no time to make big plans. I can't call Mom's mother You know, I said, what's your CGM say? was on the low side. I think she was like, it was after school. She hadn't had a snack yet. So I think she's like 85. And I said, okay, just, you know, let's get going. But you have to have a snack before you go outside. So we drove up the street. I dropped her off at her friend's house with a steady 85 on her CGM. And I said to her, before you go outside and play, have 15 carbs of something. Head out, put your CGM in your pocket. Make sure it's zipped up so that, you know, it can't get wet. Pay attention to the alarms. Text me if you have a problem. That's it. And with that, I dropped her off, and then I drove about a half an hour from where she was to watch my son play basketball, and not a problem. Not a problem in the whole world. Nothing went wrong. Her blood sugar didn't get high, it didn't get low. But if it had, CGM would have beeped, and she would have done something about it. And you know, if she had to go inside and talk to the mother that was there, even though that mother's not, you know, some diabetes guru, she would have been fine absolutely fine. I was never, never nervous or never uncomfortable yesterday, even though it was a last minute thing, even though it was not a perfect situation where I was leaving her, even though she was going to be doing something strenuous. I never in that hour, I watched my son play basketball. I did text with her once or twice, but I was never uncomfortable and she wasn't uncomfortable. And that is a just a gift. Because I have spent a lot of my life feeling uncomfortable in situations like that, as I'm probably sure that you have also. But it turns out that while we've been texting back and forth, and she's been slowly, you know, her her care, her responsibility, the onus of that has been slowly shifting to her. My anxiety has been slowly shifting away at the same time. And it's always Unplanned moments, moments that are not within anyone's control, and certainly not how I planned it. These moments are the ones that teach me to just mellow out a little bit. And a great example is that Arden and I have alarms set up throughout the day. You know, talk at this time. You know, before snack or before lunch. These are the our texting times because the day gets you know out of hand. I sometimes forget, and she sometimes forgets. So these alarms keep us in sync with each other. But I do have a couple of alarms that I think of as being maybe not completely necessary. And so if my alarm sounds and it's one of those unnecessary times and Arda never texts me, say she never texts me, I'll throw her one text. Hey, what's your CGM say? But if she doesn't get back to me, I just imagine that she's in her classroom, you know, taking a test or, you know, in in their group study, talking with people, my mind doesn't jump to like Arden's not texting me back because she's dead. But the first couple times it did the first time she didn't text me back. I was like, I have to call the school. She's not answering me. This is a problem. Obviously she's died or laying on the floor behind a water fountain, having a seizure, you know, every bad thought runs through your head. And the best thing I was able to do for myself, the biggest gift I've ever given myself in my life is that when those things ran through my head, I told myself just to shut up. Just stop. She's in a building with an adult. They're aware that she has type 1 diabetes. She's got a monitor on, for God's sakes, that beeps like crazy if she's getting too low. The odds of something happening to her that is dire are so much less than the odds that she's just not hearing her text message, or the alarm went off and she didn't hear it. That's what common sense tells me is probably happening. So... It was anxiety ridden for me the first couple times. The first couple times she didn't answer, but every time she doesn't answer in one of those, you know, very non critical times, takes away more and more of my anxiety to the point yesterday where when I went to that basketball game, I realized, you know, I am as, I am just about as okay with this as I could possibly be, and I don't mean we're not paying attention to the details. I don't mean that, you know, we're just gonna throw our hands up in the air and be like, hey, we're wild and free and nobody's paying attention to this anymore. We're still paying attention to it. But in those gaps of time, there's one of my, there's an alarm right now. That's Arden's pre-bus alarm. But of course, today she's out on a, a school trip, so I've already spoken to her. That one doesn't kinda count today. My point is, very simply, diabetes doesn't get easier. Um, the concept, the very real concept that too much insulin could kill a person that doesn't stop being true. But when you live through these situations over and over and over and over again and build a database for yourself of, of experiences that you can draw on, you can learn to let go of your anxiety and you can raise a child who doesn't have that anxiety. And without that anxiety, they make much better decisions about their care. Now, You know, very soon, and by very soon, I mean in the next few weeks, Dexcom's going to release that new, a new receiver that's going to have the share built right into it. So Arden's Dexcom receiver, you know, by the end of March 2015, is going to send a little Bluetooth signal to her phone. There's going to be an app on her phone that's going to send her blood sugar to the cloud. And I, by then, I'm going to be able to look at it on my cell phone or an iPad, or, you know, the Apple Watch will come out the month later if I, I don't have one of them. But I mean, these are the possibilities. And I keep thinking, I keep thinking, okay, I do want that. I want that, but I only want that for the alarm. Like I want that. I don't want to look at it all the time. And I don't want to micromanage her type one diabetes, because me constantly telling her, hey, your blood sugar's going up, hey, your blood sugar's going down, do something about it is just going to do the opposite of what I want to, you know, in my mind, it's going to do the opposite of what I want. What I want is for her to go, hey, no one's here to change my pot, I'll do it myself. Hey, my blood sugar's going up, I'll take care of it myself. I'll be proactive. I want proactive. That's what I'm hoping for. Now, having said that, if there's this little gadget that'll throw me an alarm that says, hey, your kid's blood sugar is 50 and it's going down, I'll take that. I think that's great. I mean, I guess in the same way, if there was a magic, you know, a magic siren that would go off if my son was about to be hit by a car five minutes from now, I would like that too. But there's no value in me walking around behind my son for the rest of his life going, Don't get hit by a car, don't get hit by a car, don't get hit by a car. That he's not gonna grow up to be a he's not gonna grow up to be a, a, a rational person if I'm up his ass like that. Trust me, I get as well as anybody what the you know, what the concerns are, I know how dangerous insulin can be. And I know how sometimes things just happen that you you don't plan for, you don't expect and have no way of seeing coming. But you know, my experiences tell me that those those moments aren't that frequent. And we have the technology. I mean, make no mistake, using an Omnipod insulin pump. um, And moreover, probably the Dexcom you know, continuous glucose monitor. These items make everything that I'm saying a reality. Without a CGM, I am not nearly as good as this. I'm not making all these boastful statements about, I just sent her to, my friend, to her friend's house to play in the snow. I, if she didn't have a glucose monitor, I'm not sending my kids to somebody's house to go play in the snow. I would go and hang out and be there, or I would be nearby, or it would we would be on much more regimented schedule of when we were going to talk. It wouldn't all be like Lucy Goose like it is now. That I completely, completely uh, want to be clear about and and honest about. Um, but we do. We're lucky enough to have the, the glucose monitor. And so I'm lucky enough to be able to make these decisions. Okay. Hey, episode four, right? I got four episodes going. Um, you know, I hope you're enjoying it. I mean, I guess if you're listening still, you must be enjoying it. I did see that in its category on iTunes, the Juicebox Podcast is rising in its category, which is very exciting. Uh, It would help the podcast immensely if you could go to iTunes and give it a review, either, you know, five stars or actually write a review. iTunes takes that very seriously and it helps the podcast quite a little bit. So if you can do that, that would be fantastic. The Juicebox Podcast is online at juiceboxpodcast.com, on social media at juiceboxpodcast. My type 1 diabetes parenting blog, Arden's Day, is at ardensday.com and on social media at Arden's Day. Uh, you know, come find us, check us out. Facebook and Twitter is a great way to find out when new episodes go up. But, you know, subscribing at iTunes or SoundCloud or Stitcher is another great way to, uh, to find out when um, episodes arrive. Uh, new episodes are on Tuesdays. And um, what else? I know what else. Music for the Juice Box podcast composed and performed by Sydney Muller. Sydney. I continue to be in awe of your talent. Thank you very much. This is the Juicebox Podcast. I'm Scott Benner. Thank you very much for listening.